about some things that happened last week, okay? We had a Dream Team Christmas party this last week. Now, didn't he, was anybody at the Dream Team Christmas party this year? Okay, there a lot of y'all were at the Dream Team Christmas party. One group that did not get honored at the Christmas party that I just want to honor today was a group that actually won the trivia portion of our party. Can we just see our trivia winner? Now, this is the, this is the folks that won the actual trivia, the, the trivia portion, okay? You, you got to wait now because there's more to come. This group, they came to play. I mean, I mean, we've got Christmas trees. We've got uh, Buddy in this group. We've got, there's a lot going on in this group, okay? There's a lot of brain power going on there too, all right? But then, then after the, after the trivia, we had, a, we had a dance competition. Do you want to see just a, a, a quick second? Okay, go, go ahead and show them just one second of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I'm just telling you, some calories were burnt at the Christmas party. It was just right on the edge of crazy times. It was, it was, it was really fun. And at that Christmas, uh, at that dance competition, we had a winner. Her name's Erin Simmons. And, man, she really brought all of that. We did dance moves from the 70s uh, all the way to the floss to all of the way up to the modern-day era, okay? And um, and and Aaron Aaron Simmons won the dance competition. I'm just telling you this stuff because it's just it was just too good to not share. Um, and I don't know. I just felt celebratory, you know. So so I just wanted Aaron to know that I that I still have some moves too. So I just celebrated with Aaron for a moment. Can you just? I mean, <laughs> okay. All right, I'm just putting that out there so you cannot blackmail me with that. It's out there now, all right? That's the kid in play, all right? Take notes, okay. All right, um, so yeah, Christmas season's a time of celebration for us, uh, and we are in a series right now that I want us to just lean all the way into today. Uh, we're in a series that we're calling Light of the World, and this is why we celebrate. We celebrate because the light has come. We believe that the light of Jesus has come to shine in the darkness, and we're going to celebrate that today. So let's take a moment. Let's bow our hearts. Let's bow our heads. Let's clear our minds. Let's pray, and let's get ready to focus on the Word of God today. Father, we thank you. We love you so much. We are so grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to hear your Word, to allow it to sink deep into our hearts and minds. Uh, and Lord, I just pray that it would, it would light us up. I pray that your light would light us up and let us be sources of illumination uh, for our friends and family, for our neighbors, for our schools, for our community, for our colleges, Lord God, for our workspaces, for the marketplace. Let us be the light, we pray, Lord God, in your name, to your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Um, okay, light of the world, we're in part two today. And as I was thinking about this series and this sermon, I was reminded of a time as a very young boy. I was, up, I think I was like eight or nine years old. Our family had moved to uh, a place called Lancaster, Ohio. We had left St. Louis. My dad took a job in Lancaster, Ohio. And in Lancaster, uh, it, was, it was a very rural community. Uh, it, was a, it was all kind of a, a blue collar working 
uh, community. A lot of people worked at Anchor Hawking Glass Company. And um, so there was just, it was just farmland. It was, a, it was a small town with a lot of room, which for me was great because I was just a little kid and I liked to run and, and go play. And, and the house that we lived in had like fields in front of it. And then uh, down at the bottom of the fields, there was this old country road. And then across the country road, there were farms. There were some dairy farms and different kinds of, of uh, farms on you know, down the street from us and across the, the road from us. Um, and then behind our house was miles and miles and miles and acres and acres of woods, just pure woods. And as a little kid, I just, my, the greatest joy of my day, of my life, would be to go out into these woods and just run wild through the woods, play in the woods. I, I would imagine that I was a U.S. soldier and I was in a war, and then I would imagine that I was an Apache warrior and I, there's a warrior theme that kept coming up as a little. So I would imagine that I was a caveman. I mean, I had just, I had, and I was out there by myself. So whatever I wanted to imagine, I would imagine. And I just, I would be hiding in the caves, swinging from the vines, climbing the trees, having an awesome time out in the woods. I actually, there was an old deer stand out in those woods. And I would climb up on that deer stand. And I, I had in my mind a dream that one day, that one day I would, I would catch a deer. I, I don't know. I didn't have a gun. I thought I wouldn't shoot a deer. I would just catch a deer. I, I actually put a salt lick down at the bottom of that deer stand, and I got a rope because I thought I'm going to lasso a deer and a, like a big buck, and then I'm going to train the deer. And then I, I'll come riding up to the house one day on the deer, and my parents will be like, oh, dear. I mean, they would just be like, wow. And I just, and I, you know, I, I just had all kinds of imagination. That never quite happened. I'm still dreaming. There's still... Your time, but um, but but that's that's what I would do. And in those days, uh, you know, parents were pretty. There was a free range vibe going on with the families in the in that era. And so my mom had one rule and one rule only, which is, you can be in the woods as long as you want, but you need to be home by dark. You can't be out in the woods at at dark, okay? Because first of all, it's dinner time, and second of all, there's scary things that can happen in the dark. So you can go run wild and go up in the caves and the vines and the trees, but you got to be home by dark. Well, one day I was out in the woods, and I was out running wild and having a great time. I, was, I think I was nine. I might have been ten, but I think I was nine years old. And I was way out in the woods, and I didn't notice because I was having too much fun that the sun had set and that it was starting to turn dusk and that it was getting darker and darker and darker in the woods. But when you're a little kid, time just goes, you know, it's just kind of, it's not linear. It's just, you know, a wash, right? And so I'm out there playing in the woods, and suddenly I look up and go, oh, man, it's dark. I got to get home. It was one of those nights where there was cloud cover, so I couldn't see the stars, couldn't see the moon. It, it was a dark night in the woods, and I said, I got to get home because I'm going to get in big trouble if I don't get home right now. So I start running towards my house. The problem was I was in an area of the woods that I didn't know that well. And so I'm running as fast as I can towards my house when suddenly I realize I don't know if this is the right way. Maybe it's not this way. Maybe it's that way. So as the anxiety began to grow, I started running this way. I couldn't see any lights. I couldn't see the, the, the elements that I would normally look to. There's a certain rock or a certain tree. Couldn't see that. Ran this way. Wasn't sure if that was the right way. Found myself stuck in the woods at dark, getting cool, not knowing should I go that way, that way, that way, or that way. Here's the problem. 
it's hard to find your way in the dark. It is hard to find your way in the dark. I had a friend in high school who had this, let's just say he was a sort of comedian prankster kind of guy. And when we, when, whenever he would leave the restroom at our school, at Pattonville High School, when he would walk out of the restroom, and there would still be people in the restroom, he'd walk out and he would just turn off the lights and just walk out. Now, that was really funny if you were walking out with him. But if you happen to be in one of the stalls, it wasn't so funny that the lights went out in the bathroom because we didn't have cell phones back in those, in, in those days. So you would just be in the dark. And guess what? It's hard to find your way, somebody, in the dark. If you've ever gotten up at night, we talked about this last Sunday. If you've ever gotten up at night and you're trying to make your way in the dark of your house to go down to the kitchen or wherever you're trying to go, you bump into furniture, you bump into tables, right? It's hard to find your way in the dark. Now, most of us rarely find ourselves in the dark literally anymore because everywhere we go, there's light. There are light strips coming down these aisles. There's light strips. There's light all around. There are exit lights at, at Shaw and here at U-City. Even if the electric, electricity went off here, there would still be light. And if there wasn't light, you would still have your cell phone and you would have your flashlight. You would be able to find your way. So physically, we rarely face these moments of pitch darkness. But spiritually, we often find ourselves throughout every stage of life in the dark meaning there's some confusion or uncertainty, meaning there's not, it's not quite clear which direction we should go. As teenagers, we're asking questions of identity. The teenagers at, at One Family Church and the teenagers around the world are asking questions of identity. They're saying, who am I? What am I? What is my value? What is my worth? What direction should I go in life? What strengths do I have? What are my abilities? What school should I go to? Should I go get a job? Should I join the military? What, who am I? And what am I? And where should I go? That's a stage of life. It's a stage of wandering about identity. As, as we get a little bit older and we enter into, let's say, young adulthood, we begin asking questions of intimacy, right? Am I looking for someone to, to, to love? Should I stay alone? Should I try to get married? Should I swipe left? Should I swipe right? Should I, right? We're asking questions about intimacy and relationships and trying to figure out it, which direction do I go. And it's, and it's hard if you're in that stage of life. It's hard to find your way because it's hard to find your way in the dark. It's not always clear which direction you're supposed to go. And then if you get into sort of middle adulthood, right, and you've, you've maybe you've, you've been in a career for a while. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're divorced. Maybe you've got kids. Maybe you don't have kids. And you start to ask questions of impact. You start to say, wait a minute, what purpose am I serving in life? Am I stagnating where I am or am I moving forward? Am I, am I making a difference in anybody's life? Am I transforming anything? Or is my life just, just stagnant and just about me? Does my life matter? And you're asking questions about, should I change careers? Should I start a new career? Should I start a business? Should I serve more? Should I, what, what should I do? You're asking questions about impact. And then when we get up to the elderly stage of life, the older stage of life, we begin asking questions of acceptance. Meaning, can I accept the life that I experienced? We begin to look back and go, well, I didn't do everything that I wanted to do. I didn't accomplish everything that I wanted to accomplish I had some wins and I had some failures. Can I accept that? Can I accept the fact that not everything turned out like I wanted it to? 
can I accept the fact that maybe I did some good things, but maybe some of the things weren't quite what I wanted to do. And you're looking forward because you're getting closer to the end of your life and going, can I accept that? Can I accept that I'm going to move into a stage of life where there will probably likely be sickness and ultimately death? Can I do that? And it can be a dark and uncertain time in your life. And the question is, can I find direction in the dark? Because it is hard. It is hard to find your way in the dark. Every single one of us, no matter what stage of life we're in, all of us are going to face the darkness of grief. We're all going to face the darkness of sorrow. We're all going to face the darkness of loss. We're all going to face the darkness of disappointment. We're all going to face the darkness of sickness, either in our life or in somebody else's life. We're all going to face the darkness of death. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do I have direction in the dark? Because it's hard to find your way in the dark. So what I want to speak on today for the next few moments is how to find your way in the dark. How to find your way in the dark. You see, we're not the first people on the planet to face these uncertainties. We're not the first people in the pl- on the planet to, to find ourselves in darkness from t- time to time with a lack of clarity, with a lack of perspective. We're not the first people ever to, to be stuck and wondering which direction should I go with my identity or with my intimacy or with uh, the impact that I'm making or with the acceptance of my life. I, I, I need to find my way, but, but, but we're not the first people to find ourselves in this situation. In fact, every human being on the planet from the, from the very beginning until today, we've all walked through these dark periods. So much was the darkness felt about 3,000 years ago that there was a, a prophet who spoke about it. He, he was the, the prophet in Israel at that time, and the Assyrian uh, um, forces were coming around Israel, and Israel was in a dark, uncertain, confusing, confu- confusing and chaotic time. And there was a prophet named Isaiah. And the prophet had a vision of a future time when light would pierce the darkness. The the prophet had a picture in his mind, a vision from God of what it would be like when there was light shining from heaven into the darkness of despair and gloom and uncertainty and chaos. He had a picture in his mind. And in the ninth chapter of of his writing, here's what he wrote. Here's the vision. This is what he saw. He said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. He's envisioning a future time when the people who are in darkness are seeing a great light. He said, on those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. What Isaiah is saying is there will be a time. This is what he's saying. This is 700 years before Jesus. He's saying, I see a time when light starts to enter. And where there's clarity and confusion, where there's peace in the midst of violence, where there's hope in the midst of despair, where there's, where there's, there's a path and there's light on the path in the dark, there's, there's going to be a time when that happens. And so then we ask, okay, well, who, what is that light? Who is that light? What are you talking about, Isaiah? A few verses later, he says this. This is the description of the light. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a son is born is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince 
of peace. You see what he's saying? He's saying there will be a light come to the world, and that light will be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. What Isaiah envisioned in this passage is the very first Christmas. He envisioned the moment when Christ would come and bring light in the darkness. And, and, and as we know, 700 years later, Jesus did come to the earth, and he was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in Bethlehem. And he began to grow, and the Scripture says he, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And he began to spread the light of his truth everywhere he went. He began to teach and preach and heal and bring light in the darkness of people's lives. And he one day gathered his disciples around him, and he said, I'm not just bringing the light. He said, I am the light. L- l- listen to what he says in John 8. He says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one that Isaiah was talking about. You know when he said that there will be lightness come in the gloom and despair of the world? That's me. I am the light of the world. And then he says something for us. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Everyone who follows the light will have the light. Today there are some teenagers here at U-City and at Shaw and online. There are some teenagers who need some light in their lives. They need some light to bring light on their who they are, what they're about, what their path is, what their plan is, what their value is, what their worth is. If you're a teenager, just let me shed a little bit of light. You are loved by God. You have, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has direction. He has hope. There's a way for you to move forward in the life that he has called you into. You can walk in the beautiful design that he made you, and there's a path for you. There's light for you. If you're a young adult and you're, you're, you need light today, you need light shed on the questions of intimacy, which direction should I go? Should I date this person? What's this relationship? Is this working out? Is this a good move? There's light for you today. If you're a middle adult, If you're somebody trying to say, man, I need to make an impact. Is my life even making any difference at all? There is a light for you today. If you're somebody who's older and you're just trying to look back at your life and say, did I matter? Just know that there is grace and there is mercy. And the God of love has has been with you every step of the way. There is light for you. There is light in the darkness of your life. Jesus is the light. Now, as we hear this phrase, he's the light of the world, and we, go th- we hear this metaphor throughout the Scripture, it's easy sometimes to go, well, that's just kind of like flowery, poetic language. But how, in fact, is Christ the light in my life? Like, what does that even mean for Christ to be the light for me? Well, well, how does that even happen? What is that even about? Well, the first way that, that Christ is the light in our life is he is the light of what I call the light of orientation. The light of orientation. Throughout history, sailors, way before there were compasses, way before there was technology and geo-tracking and all of that, sailors were able to navigate the open seas. And you know how they did it? They did it by looking at one light in the sky. There was one light in the sky. We know it as Polaris. You may know it as the North Star. There was one light in the sky that would shine and appear not to move. All of the other 
all of the other lights, all of the other stars in the sky, as the world moved, as the world turned, looked like they were moving. But the, but the North Star was right above the North Pole, still is. And it was right there, and they would be able to look at that star, and that star would appear not to move. It would just be right over the North Pole. So what they would do is you just, you, you just draw a direct line from the North Star straight down to the horizon. And now you know I'm going due north. And if I'm going due north, now I'm oriented, right? Because if I know where north is, then I know where south is. And if I know where north and south is, I know where east and west is. Now I'm oriented in life. I know which direction to go. Some of us spiritually need a north star. We need Jesus to be the orienting light of our life because we're wandering around going, I actually don't even know which direction to go. I'm not even sure which way I should go. And Jesus says, look, follow me because I'm the light. Focus yourself on me, right? Follow me because I'm the light, meaning I become, I become more and more like him the closer I get to him. His peace becomes my peace. His power becomes my power. His love becomes my love. His grace, his mercy, his joy becomes mine because I'm following, I'm following the light. I got an email this week, a great email from a, a member of the church, and, and, and in the email, she asked me one of the questions, great question. She asked, what is the point of being a Christian? I, I think it's a great question. What is the point? And so I responded to her with a passage from Romans 8, which says that the point of being a follower of Jesus is that we are conformed into the image of Christ by the power of the Spirit to the glory of the Father. Right? What, what that means is the Spirit, as you follow the light, is changing you and transforming you more and more into the image of Christ. He, the Spirit is making you more like Jesus in your attitude, in your actions, in your words, in your thoughts, in your, in your assumptions about it's It's transforming you into the image of Christ. So, so for us, what this means is we need to have a, a north star. Jesus needs to be the light. That There's a lot of lights, and a lot of them are moving, right? But if we focus on Jesus and say, I, I just want to be more like Jesus. So now I know which direction to go, right? Because I know that this is less like Jesus. This is less like Jesus. This is definitely less like. I want to go towards Jesus. In the, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, we see a picture of this when the wise men are trekking across towards Jerusalem and they're following a star. And the star is orienting them towards Jesus, the star is pointing them in the direction of Jesus. And so they're going, as long as we follow that star, we will find the king. And, and, and as you know, eventually they come to Jerusalem. And they said, where is he that is king of the Jews? Right? We've come to worship him. Unfortunately, they said it to King Herod, who considered himself to be king of the Jews. And that didn't turn out so well for anybody for a little while. But what happened was the, the magi were following a star. They had the light of orientation. What's interesting about the Magi, they were basically astronomers in whatever region they were in. And what some scholars think is that perhaps they were Babylonian. And when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, the children of Israel were taken and exiled into Babylon, they brought the Hebrew scriptures with them. And so they had the Hebrew scriptures and they had their own astronomical understanding of science. And, and then they had the word of God and it led them to the Messiah. We just we we need the north star in our light. We need in our life. We need the light of orientation. But it is not enough to simply know which direction we're going. If anybody's ever known which way you're going, but you can't see in front of you, it's very difficult. So it's not enough to have the light of orientation. We also need what I'm calling the light of illumination. 
the light of illumination. The light of orientation tells us which way to go. The light of illumination tells us what's the next step on the path. Years ago, I was driving from Phoenix, Arizona to Denver, Colorado by myself, and I was driving up I-25 North, and I hit a whiteout blizzard. I don't know if you've ever driven when the snow is just is, is sideways. It's just blowing so hard, and it just blocks everything out, and you couldn't see. My headlights could not, sh- could not see through, you know, three or four feet of this snow. They weren't bright enough. So even though I was oriented in the right direction, I'm headed I-25 North. I know that Denver is that way. I had the light of orientation, but I didn't have the light of illumination. It's a very scary thing when you, when you don't have the light of illumination. When I was a kid lost in the woods, it, I, I didn't have the light of orientation, and I didn't have the light of illumination. So I didn't know which way to go. And even if I knew which way to go, I wouldn't be able to get there because there's, now there's rocks and there's roots and there's divots, and I, I can hurt myself walking on, on, on the path, even if I know which way I'm going. So we need to experience the light of illumination. Are there any Lord of the Rings fans at One Family Church? I knew there would be. I, f- I felt like the front row. This fr- I felt like, how about a shawl? Any? Yeah, I bet you that there are. There's a, there's a moment in Lord of the Rings where the Lady of Light gives Frodo this vial of light from, the, from Arendelle's star. And I love what she says. She says, may it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. In other words, this is not a light of orientation. This isn't going to tell you where to go, but it's going to light your way so that you can get there, right? We need the light of illumination, meaning even if we know which way we're going, we need something right in front of us to show us the next step. What is that? Jesus says this in John 11, 9 and 10. He says, if anybody walks during the day, he doesn't stumble, right? We don't need the light when everything is groovy and gravy and everything is good. We're not going to stumble in the daytime because he sees the light of the world, he said. If anybody walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He's saying, look, you need to not just be seeing the light of Orient. You need the light in you. You need the light of illumination to help you take the very next step. Last week, I, I said, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, meaning that, that Jesus is the Word, right? So when we read the Word of God, we're actually reading the light of Christ. We're actually reading what, what Christ wants us to know. In fact, in Psalm, it says this, and I love this, Psalm 119. It says, your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my pathway. Meaning, Lord, I know which way you're going. I'm going that same way, but I also need the light of illumination so that I don't make a misstep. Today, some of us, we need that light of illumination. Maybe we're pointed in the right direction, but we are not spending time in God's word. We're not spending time in the fellowship of other believers. And so when we are walking, we're kind of like, man, I think I know which direction I'm going, but I keep stumbling on the path. This is why we have life groups. This is why we encourage daily reading in the scripture. This is why we, every person praying every day, right? Because we want to have the light of illumination in us so that we can walk in the light, so that we do not stumble when we enter these stages of darkness where it's uncertain and where we don't know where we're going. And this is where it gets interesting. Because not only do we have the light of orientation, and then not only do we have the light of illumination available to us, but then Christ calls us 
to be the light of inspiration. He calls us to be the light of inspiration. You say, what do you mean by that? I don't know if you've ever been walking on a path or out in the woods and you didn't have your own light. You didn't have a flashlight. You didn't have a lantern. You didn't have your cell phone with your light on. You didn't have that, but somebody else did. Somebody walking in front of you had a light. And what you find out is that you can follow the person with the light. Now, you don't have the light yourself, but if they have the light, now you can find your way if you'll just follow them. And Jesus is teaching us, he's saying, I want you to not only have the light of orientation, come towards me, not only have the light of illumination so that you don't misstep, but I want you to be the light of inspiration so somebody behind you can follow you that doesn't have the light. Are you with me this morning? Uh, can, can I get a, Chris, can I get, can I get a volunteer? Um, and when I say volunteer, I'm talking about you. So yeah, come on, bro. Yeah. That's voluntold. He just got voluntold. Come on up here. Come on up here. I'm going to show you. I'm going to illustrate this for you. Um, and, and I want to show you what it looks like, a visual of what it looks like for us to be the light of inspiration. Th- this man's getting ready to get married in a few, in a few months. I was going to say weeks, but months. Okay, yeah. Okay, we're going to try something. Are you ready to try something with me? Okay, I'm going to have the light of illumination uh, on my cell phone, okay? All right, this is the light of illumination. Now, if my light of illumination works, and you can see it, it's, for you it's going to be the light of inspiration. All right, so we're just going to try something. Are we all good today? Are we comfortable, ready to try something crazy? All right, let's dim the lights. I'm just going to try something. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to see if you can follow me in the darkness, okay? All right, I'm going to walk, and you're just going to follow me, all right? Now, you don't have your own light, right? You don't have your own light, but, but you see my light. You see my light? Oh, be careful now. Be careful. I'm going to shine some light on those steps, all right? Now, if I'm walking down the path, and you can see my light, even though you don't have a light, you might know which way to go. Because if I know which way to go, if I'm oriented and I'm illuminated, then you can be inspired. Are you still with me? Now, we're just walking right out of the church. Nobody can see us. You want to go grab some, you want some coffee, some donuts? You want to go get some lifesavers? We'll get some communion. All right, we're coming back in the other side. Now, I don't know if Chris is still behind me. I think he is. We're going to find out in just a moment, right? But I've got the light of illumination. I can see the path. I can see the path, and I don't know if he has a light, but I do know that he can probably see my light. So I'm going to keep walking. I'm, he's in the dark. I'm in the dark, but we've got light. And I'm going to come all the way back up here, and I'm going to keep on walking because I'm following Jesus this morning. I'm following the Lord. Now let's look. Somebody's calling me right now. Y'all shouldn't do that now. Um, all right, turn the lights back on just for a moment. He made it. He made it. How did he make it? Can we just hear it? Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Can we just hear it for him this morning? Hey, here's what I'm trying to, here's what I'm trying to teach you. Let me turn my light of illumination off. Here's what I'm trying to teach you this morning. We are called to not only follow the light, to not only have the light, but to spread the light, to share the light. Um, I've, I've learned this week uh, Hallie Nyans is, is almost an eye doctor, almost, or are you a doctor? Or not? she's almost an optometrist. And she told me this week that the, the human eye can detect a single photon of light. 
a single photon of light. I did some research this week, and there are some researchers who looked this up and who kind of planned this out and tried this. And what they discovered is that 1.6 miles, the human eye can see a single candle flickering in the dark. That's a long way for a single flame. That's a long way. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to be a lighthouse. You don't even have to be a spotlight. You can be a flame. You can just let your light shine a little tiny bit and see what will happen in the lives of those around you if you will let your light shine. Here's what Jesus said. He said, remember he, remember he said, I'm the light of the world? And then he did the switcheroo on us. Here's what he said. He said, I'm the light of the world. And then in Matthew, he said, wait a minute. You are the light of the world. Said, Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to get with me this morning. He said, I'm the light of the world. But guess what? If you're following me, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Don't hide your light, he said. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everybody in the house. In the same way, he said, you, let your light shine. Let it shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You have, some of y'all have the light of orientation. You know which way you're going. Some of you have the, the light of illumination. You're actually walking the path relatively well. You might stumble from time to time, but you're getting back on the path. You're walking the path. And, and, and today I want to commission you, be the light of inspiration. Be the light for somebody else. Now, as a nine-year-old kid out in the woods, in case you were worried, my wife, I told this story to my wife, and at the end when I told it to her, she said, did you ever find your way out of the woods? And I was like, no, babe, I'm still out there. <laughs> um, I, I got... I got, to, I got to a point where it's dark, I'm scared, it's getting cold, and I kept thinking, I mean, I wasn't so much worried about bears, I was more worried about my mom saying, where you been? It's dark, okay? So I climb up on this hill, and I can see off in the distance a light, and I recognize the light because the light was attached to the barn on the dairy farm about quarter of a mile from our house and I recognized that light so I was able to make my way towards that light stumbling and fumbling around in the dark I was able to make my way and then it got brighter and brighter and, br and brighter I got to the country road now there are headlights and now after a little while I could see my house and now I'm booking I am just booking home and I got to tell you to this day nobody noticed that I was out in the dark I don't know if everybody was busy but I come into the house like, what's going to happen? All good. All good. Come sit down at the dinner table. Everything's fine. Nobody's saying anything. But here's, here's what I know. I mean, I might have gotten fussed at. But I also know that if my parents knew that I had been lost in the dark, they were going to say, man, we are so glad you followed the light. We are so glad you came home. We are so glad that you are safe and sound. They would have extended grace and mercy. I might have gotten a little trouble. There might have been some consequences, but they would have said, I'm so glad you're home. Today, I want to invite all of you to follow the light. Some of you today need the light of orientation. Meaning, you're not even following Jesus. You don't even know which direction your life is going. You're not even sure which path to take. You don't know north from south, from east from west. Today, I want to invite you to follow the light. 
Now, some of you see the light of orientation. You're a follower of Jesus. You've already embraced the light into your life. But today, I want to invite you to go a step further and begin to develop the light of illumination within you. The light that says, hey, I'm, I, I'm going to develop an understanding of who God is through his word. I'm going to start to obey him in my mind, in my attitude, in my heart, in my body, with my actions, with my mouth, with my thoughts, with my emotions. I'm going to start to follow him. I'm going to walk on the path, and I'm going to have enough light that I can see which direction I'm going. And then for others of you, I want to invite you today, I want to commission you today to be the light of inspiration for somebody else. To move from, hey, I love the Lord, I'm following him, and I'm doing well myself. I want to I challenge you and commission you to be the light of inspiration to somebody else. Meaning, I want to commission you to reach out to that person at your job and be the light in their life. Spread a little light in their life. Somebody at your school, spread a little light in their life. Somebody in the marketplace, somebody at work, some, your boss, your employee, a friend, somebody at the gym, be the light in somebody else's life. Be the light of inspiration so that they can follow you in the darkness of their own life. We used to sing a song years ago that said, walk in the light, the beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy shine bright. <laughs> shine all around us by day and by night Jesus the light of the world the light let's pray Father we love you so much you are so beautiful you are so powerful your light shines so brightly around us and I pray Lord God that there would be no darkness in us, that we would walk closer and closer to the light. The light would reveal the things that need to be revealed, remove the things that need to be removed. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us would begin to walk deeper into what it means to follow you, that we would walk in the light in every stage of life. We would not walk in darkness and chaos and confusion. We would not walk in desperation and despair but we would walk in the light that the prophet prophesied 3,000 years ago. The light of the world, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Father, I pray that as we move towards Christmas, we would move towards the light. We love you, Father. We thank you. I pray, Lord, that those that are here today, right now, who are not following you, would pray this prayer. God, I need you. I don't, have, I don't have enough light in my life. And I've been walking in darkness and chaos and confusion. But today, I open my heart to receive the light of Jesus into my life. Today, I put my faith and my trust in the light of the world. Today, I follow you, Jesus. I walk after your light. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. If, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, uh, I'm going to invite you as we get ready to close, I want to invite some prayer team members to come to the front. I want to invite you to, to fill out a connection card. Let us.